Welcome to Talking Not Ranting. My name is Alistair Field. And I'm Greg Smith. You've dropped in our current topic series, The Struggle to Be a Good Manager. In today's episode, The Employee. Uh-huh. We've all been one of those. Yes. Yes. You're self-employed, so does that make you an employee now? Or I'm are you em- the boss, or how does that work? It depends upon what's happening. So anything financial, I'm the employee. Uh, and Josette's the boss, and I'm the I'm the boss of myself. So it's I'm you know yeah I don't know that's that's a good question. So who does your evaluation? <laughs> I do a self evaluation. Oh, so you do well? Yeah, then. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're gotcha. pl- we're pleased to again, Greg, uh, confirm you're a five star employee. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Why? Thank you, Greg. Well, wow, thank no, you. No, Greg. I see a, a sticking point in your plan here, though. Do you hand out like evaluations after you do uh, something with a company or a group of people? Or do we just disregard those when they come in? I, you know what? I used to do that a lot. Uh, I do close like projects, uh, close projects to get feedback. You know, one of the things I think we have mentioned on this is the WWEBI. So what went well, even better if kind of. I usually keep it fairly informal because sometimes those happy sheets really don't tell you anything. Uh, but it depends upon your relationship. If you can create an open space relationship, then they can be fantastic. Um, and I always love to find out, Hey, what went well and, but what could have made, what could have made even better. So end of coaching sessions, definitely. I always have a, a closed session where we have a conversation around, Hey, what can I learn? What's the feedback? But I also don't, I also make sure that my coaches give me feedback throughout the process. Cause don't want to wait until after a six month package to say, wow, that was, that was useless or something. Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. No, no, just wondering. So let's continue. Greg and I have been friends for a long time and we've both spent a fair bit of time as managers or leaders during our careers. We've both benefited from other people assisting us in our management development. In every episode, we're going to discuss situations where we and others have missed the mark. And we're going to discuss how we've observed others successfully manage these situations. And we're always going to have an underlying theme of a good discussion. I think once again, we will have another good discussion. We will. Uh, well, you know, cause I'm not complete, I'm not prepared at all. And, uh, I just read That's so different. You I, usually are. <laughs> well, usually I've read the script. Usually I've done a little bit preparing, but have the, you though? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying when I do that. Uh, I do it right before we tape this time. I didn't even get a chance to do that because my, uh, I've been working all day since uh, early this morning. Where uh, uh, play uh, cue the violins, <laughs> oh. and and uh, I arrived slightly early, so I was sitting on a very nice chair on your front stoop, uh, catching up on all my emails. So it was uh, a good time for all. Well, and it is a warmer day today. Thank goodness, because <laughs> you would have been. It would have been hello, hello, hello. My name is Alistair field because i'm so cold but today it's warmer and you're outside yes and we did put that chair out front and it's it's, i'm glad it's uh it's it's really being successful both holding alistair and amazon packages (laughs) there we go there was no amazon package no no no. okay uh so today our, our topic is the employee and this is kind of uh the next stage after uh last week's which was uh the boss? I forget what the name the of the leader. Word. The leader. That's what it was. See, I read these things. Of course you do. Of course <laughs> you do. So we have had, uh, we have been talking about a lot about managers and leaders, and we're going to take the opportunity to talk about what a good employee uh, might look like and uh, maybe some of the things that separate uh, us from uh, our employees on their side of things. So I'll let you go first. Uh, what are the top three things you think? separate employees from leaders? 
You know, I I think it is uh, is uh, 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 lack of commitment is one of them. It's it's like it just, uh, um, you know, when people and this is probably a personal thing, and and but it's often created by the environment that people are in. But uh, um, folks that are are just there for to pick up the paycheck that aren't really interested in contributing at a higher level. I've always believed no matter what role that I'm in, what job I'm in. And I've had some really, you know, I, I remember I was in industrial roofing, which was hot and dirty and hard work. Um, but I guess I've always been raised that you kind of, you know, where you are is, is do your best. And uh, I'm grateful for my parents that have uh, kind of, uh, um, kind of set that tone in, in for me. So, so that's one thing. I think just lack of, uh, commitment, lack of, uh, willingness to make a difference where you are. I think that can, that, that can, uh, create a, a breach. Um, I think, you know, similar to what we talked about the, um, uh, in the, in the leader one, ego is another thing, uh, you know, because if I think I'm smarter than everybody else as an employee, whether I'm a leader or whatever, I I can break all kinds of, uh, um, I can create a space that isn't very good, you know, because I get all self-centered, you know. So, you know, we've talked in other podcasts about the trust equation, which is uh, credibility plus reliability plus relationship over self-orientation. And that self-orientation or that ego Man, oh man, those, you know, I have had folks that are really smart that work for me, but they were so full of themselves that they, they weren't a team player. Um, they, they got, uh, angry quickly because they, they thought the people were dumber than they were. And it really created a messy, messy environment. So lack of effort, um, too much ego are the, is the second thing. And what is the third thing? Um, uh, yeah, what's the third thing? That's a really uh, good. Maybe it's a. Um, this is probably more directed at me because uh, I'm an optimist, so I always am a solution focused. And uh, and for me personally, when there are folks that um, would always be more victim driven and more. Um, there's this great thing by the conscious leadership, which is, uh, again, a choice that we can all make to be above the line or below the line. And this whole idea that, uh, as humans, we're actually built more to go below the line, to be protective, to be kind of a victim, to be running away from things. And, um, but we always have a choice to be above the line, which is curious, which is, uh, uh, uh via volunteer and going forward. And so for me, when I would run into folks that were tend to be on the more of the negative side and not try to look for solutions, that would just kind of drive me a little bonkers as a, as a leader. What I have learned, however, is that different people have different views. And since I do the Enneagram now and that type of thing, I've become aware that are, there are some people that are really gifted at seeing problems. Um, and I'm cool with that, as long as you also bring solutions with it. And so I am learning to be more open because of my personality would go the opposite way, always thinking of the positives. And um, uh, so now being more open to those people who bring the challenges forward because you need reality along with the optimism. So, so three things, I guess, is uh, if I can remember what I said through this rambling uh, episode that you've just experienced, is, uh, is uh, uh, number one is, uh, is 
I can't remember the one now. Uh, ego is one, um, that victim, uh, and just the lack of energy or commitment to show up, I think are my three things. Oh my goodness. You're going to say, I should have, I should have, uh, made sure Greg read this one before. No, no, it's good. And and what I like about the way you talk about things is, is you, you kind of apologized on the third one. Well, this is just maybe me. Well, that's exactly what we want to hear is what things that you've experienced and the things that come to mind. So I think, I think that's great. Uh, my first one is, uh, and these are in no particular order, unrealistic expectations. I've managed a lot of teams and I'm going to go back. It's probably almost 20 years ago. I remember, uh, I was a uniform sergeant on a platoon and, uh, the platoon had about 40 people and there was three sergeants. There was supposed to be a staff sergeant as well, but we didn't have one. So I was the one that actually went on the road. Uh, and if we had enough people on a night shift, we would try to put a, a, a couple people out on a special project because there's always special attentions, things that people are calling in about. And we would get maybe if we could spare two or four people to go out and deal with some projects that had developed while we were on, uh, while we were working nights over a period of a week. And I remember I had these two really uh, go-getter type guys. They'd just come out plain clothes and they would go out and do a project. We'd talk about what it is. They'd go out and they'd be supported by the rest of the team when the time was right. And I remember a uh, young guy came into my office, had maybe six or seven months on, still on probation, and said, how come I don't get to go on the project? I went, sorry? Why am I not on the project And they are? Well, there's highly trained people. They're in uniform right now, but they've come from a bunch of different offices and they're highly trained and we've, they've, we've identified a, uh, a problem and they're, they're trained and experienced to do it. And you're still in training. Your job right now is to learn this job. Uh, you're still on probation. So your role right now, and I, I was, I was trying not to be sarcastic and I don't think I was, but you know, dude, your job is to learn this job. And you're on 18 months probation and it's going to take about five to seven years before you are fully comfortable and we're comfortable with you doing everything that you need to do. Mm. That's the learning curve. And there's great people around to support you and all that stuff. Went, oh, okay. And left. And it's like, oh my goodness. Like you're just driving the car right now. Yeah. Right. And so, uh, and I could, you know, there's dozens of other instances where, where people, you know, just got promoted and they're asking if they're going to get promoted again. And it's like, you just got promoted. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You know, you, there's a whole bunch of things you need to exhibit. There's things you need to experience before we get to the next stage. So I think unrealistic expectations are, is something that uh, has popped up from time to time in my in my uh, my career as a manager, or as, a, as a supervisor. Yeah, that's done it for me too, you know. And it's what's really interesting is that often, and we're going to talk about the manager's role in that too, being crisp and clear up front um, uh, is, is an important feedback. Now that may mean that they leave and go to something else, but I'll tell you, it's a lot worse. I've been in situations where, uh, where I haven't been clear or I've avoided having the tough conversation and there's been a much worse because then the expectations build and it gets even worse. It's often better to what you did is just have a straight conversation and saying, okay, no, no, it's not going to happen. And here's why, and here's what you need to do in order to get there. That's a much more powerful conversation and more helpful for the individual at the time versus either avoiding the conversation or, or kind of being wishy-washy on it. Better to be clear and, and, and show the pathway forward 
and then let the person to do it themselves. But I think this is a big issue out there right now. I'm hearing from a lot of leaders that there are a lot of really bright, bold young people that are coming in and they're expecting faster pathways. And and probably we needed to be faster than we were before, um, but not as fast as some folks are, are looking. And uh, it's creating a lot of crunchiness. And people might have options to go other places. So if they don't get what they want, they go somewhere else. Right. And with the talent shortages, although it's getting less now with uh, some of the big announcements that are going around, it, it, it creates created fear, I think. The next one is uh, people going around me. Uh, didn't happen a lot, but, and I know I've worked in organizations and in situations where, you know, the big boss or somebody said, you, I have an open door, but where that is problematic is if they go to, you know, somebody two, three levels above me and, and say something. And next thing you know, I get ambushed in the, in the hallway, you know, about something. And, you know, I probably could have solved the problem to begin with. And uh, I understand that mentality. And I, I think it is a good thing. But if it puts me in a situation where I could have solved it and worked it out, and it just puts a different dynamic on the situation. And, and sometimes people aren't happy with you said, what you said, and they went above you. And, and that happens. And mm-hmm. then it gets sent back down. And, you know, you as a manager, I usually made the right decision and it, that was confirmed and and uh, it just creates a, a different dynamic in the relationship when something like that's happened. Yeah. And, you know, again, with those things, it's it's uh, often I found if you're just honest and say, hey, you know what, just keep me in the loop. I'm cool with you talking to whomever, but it's, it'd be really helpful for me because, uh, you know, so that I can be supportive of you and those kinds of things. But yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, uh, I remember I've worked in a couple of big organizations and I remember being grabbed by a boss and dragged into an office and asked a bunch of questions about something. It wasn't anything nefarious. And so as soon as I left that office, I went and found my boss. I mm. said, hey, listen, Greg, just to let you know, uh, John caught me about 20 minutes ago in the hallway, called me in and asked me about that thing I'm working on. So I just want you to know that that's happened, that there's an interest above you about what I'm doing. So this is what I, this, this, these were the questions and this is what I said. That's a great, I mean, that's a great trust building, right? Is to be able to just say, hey, it's just proactively thinking about giving that heads up. Because uh, stuff does happen. People do grab or, you know, you you get called into omp- impromptu meetings, which you didn't know you were going to be a part of, and then ask directly a question. Well, you want to be a part of something you want to contribute, so, but just kind of closing the loop is really important. And I've had subordinates come up to me and say, listen, Greg, your boss has called me in for a meeting and I'm a little you know, like, I don't know what it's about or anything like that. I've actually gone for them mm. mm-hmm. because they were not that I was trying to cover anything up, but that employee did not feel comfortable mm-hmm. with the conversation and with who the person was. And mm-hmm. Okay, I'll go. And if we need to bring you into the meeting or whatever, we'll do that as well. Mm-hmm. That's happened a number of times. Yeah. Or even offer just to go with them. And then, you know, they can say, well, I you know, brought Alistair around because he's, he's, he's even more informed than I am in this topic. And we wanted to make sure we brought our best fits forward. So how do you even coach that individual, how to have that uh, conversation or feedback with that more senior person? Exactly. And my last one is uh, people that are unable to work with others. Mm. And we all have had people in our past who are maybe good at something, they have a skill or, or they, they're good at, uh, seeing things, uh, but they can't work with others and, uh, you need those skills, you need their abilities, but it's hard sometimes, especially if you're working on a a team or a platoon or a squad, whatever language you use in, in your work setting, it's hard because, uh, that person is disruptive 
and but they have this special skill and you kind of need them but there it creates a, a friction on the team and uh it's just dealing with those people and also you know having conversations with other people on the team about what the situation is mm-hmm. and that we all need to get along but it does create attention sometimes we we've all had people on our teams our squads whatever that are just really good but they're really awkward or mm-hmm. they're, they're just not good at having conversations and maybe they've got tunnel vision but they just have these unique skills yeah yeah those those can be very tough and especially when there's no yeah, and the majority of them, there's not a bad intention. It's just who they are. So how do you as a leader facilitate the dialogue or coach or support them? Because we can all shift a little bit, unless there's a um, a specific uh, different ability that the person has that, that is that, that requires them. But then as a leader, you have the opportunity to, as assuming the person is okay with it, kind of letting people know and, and putting mechanisms in place to support the person's success. So we've listed out a few things uh, that we've appreciated from uh, employees that we have worked with over the years. And the first one, uh, being approachable. Mm-hmm. Greg, there's been numerous times when I've inherited a group of people. I'm going back years and years and years and going in and talking. Hey, Greg, how are you? I'm fine. What do you want? It's like, oh, my goodness. Mm. Right? This is not starting well. Mm. Uh, and I've had a number of people like that in my past that are very confrontational or why are you talking to me and, and not very open to having a discussion. And, uh, quite frankly, Greg, that changes because we have to work together. And mm-hmm. if I'm the supervisor or the manager and you're the employee, we've got to get business done. We have to have conversations. And so that has to change. But it's so important that, uh, even in a new situation or an awkward situation that if necessary, we need to be able to talk. Yeah, that's, you know, it can be tough, right? Because if, if you're the fifth manager that they've had, know, they may yeah. be annoyed and frustrated. But And I've been that fifth manager. Yeah, yeah. but still you got to check yourself at the door. It's, your, it's again, that below and above and below the line aspect. So I have a choice in those situations is to choose to be positive, choose to be uh, curious, choose to, you know, get involved in that type of thing. We have those choices. And people say, well, we don't have those choices. I can't, I strongly disagree. I think we have this. It doesn't mean it's not easier for some people. There are some people that are more sociable and more connectable, and and they're going to be people that are going to be naturally approachable. Um, some people are more introverted and, and are less comfortable. It's going to be more challenging for them, but there will be other things that the other person will have more challenging. So, yeah, just um, be curious, be open, even if this is your fifth manager. And I like that point. I have been that fifth manager, and that is a real thing on, on teams, on squads. When I became a sergeant, I went to another station. I came back to my original station, and, and the troops were good. Like, we all got along, and they went, Oh, so you're not going to be here for very long. Mm-hmm. So we're glad you're here, but you're not going to be here in 10, 11 months. Mm-hmm. And they weren't wrong. Mm-hmm. So it's a good point. Yeah. And the next one is that they actually do some work, and I, I believe we've both had people that we found out aren't doing very much work. Yeah, that's the, um, that was my first point. I can't even remember what it was called still the first point, but it's about um, you have a choice to show up and do your best in whatever you do. I mean, you might not like it. It might not be your favorite job whatsoever, but you know, it, it's it's just how you show up. And um, uh, it's amazing 
how and you know there's all this thing around these days around quiet quitting and all those things and i do get that it can be tough and you know quiet quitting um, my understanding the definition is you're actually at work but not really doing much work it's like uh pres- doing the bare minimum yeah presenteeism was the old phrase i think that it was used where you were present but really absent and you know what i just encourage if you're in a space where it is that bad um still work hard and then work hard at looking for something else. Because if it's not an environment that allows you to do that, totally get it. But be your best. Um, because there's nothing worse than... And again, it can be after time you get worn down. But uh, find a way to be your best at whatever you do. It will pay off for you personally and then collectively in the relationships. And uh, and if it's an environment that is is toxic or you need to get out, then get out. It's interesting. I've been in a bunch of situations where all of a sudden you realize somebody wasn't working that hard. There's an interesting dynamic on teams where teams just adjust and the work gets done. And I've been in a few situations where kind of later in the game you go, oh my goodness, Greg isn't doing very much work. And in one situation, we didn't know this until uh, the flu was going through the place and two people didn't show up for work and this one person was left. And like, the job wasn't getting done. And that's when it became really, really apparent. And so uh, I think there's almost, it's, it's hard how to say this, but there's almost an onus on the rest of the employees that if, if somebody is struggling, that somehow we we all can work on that, including mm-hmm. the manager, and make sure that they're brought up. Because it it's not fair sometimes. I've inherited somebody that didn't know how to do a whole bunch of things. And they've said, listen, nobody's, nobody's ever trained me. Mm. I wasn't trained properly. I asked some questions and I got shut down. And, and now I don't know how to do a bunch of things. I remember one case, the person had been working in a position for six weeks and didn't know the basics of it. And I actually spent two days with them and, and kind of brought them up to speed and things mm. like that. But uh, there, there's different angles to this as well. Yeah, I think that goes on to the next one, actually. You know, uh, that the employees that have good communication, even uh, when there is something bad or a difficult news, part of that news might be, you know what, I, I need to tell you that I'm really struggling. Yeah. I, I'm uh, this new stuff. I'm not trained for it. It was never something and I really want to do it. So, you know, th- that they, the second one about they work is about, you know, they're trying. Yeah. Uh, and, and sometimes because we haven't had the skills or the training, we can't do it. So, the, I love it when people take the courage to say where they're at and what they need. Oh my goodness, that's that's uh, I love people that that are, are more that, open. That puts the onus on the manager to do their job now. Right. I think it's a great thing when somebody says, "Listen, I don't know how to do this." I've asked a couple of times and I'm really interested in it, but I don't know. Yeah. But it goes back to that also to are we as leaders, managers creating that safe space that creates it enough uh, for that person to be able to say something. And that leads into number four, which is ask good questions, especially when we aren't clear about what's going on or what we're supposed to be Mm. doing. I love it when somebody, you know, after I, you know, say some synopsis of what I want done, somebody goes, I don't understand what you're talking about. Okay, I'm not being clear. Let's have a good conversation. Let's let's break this down. Obviously, I'm in my head. I think I know what I'm saying, mm. but maybe I'm not delivering. So I love it when people ask questions. So helpful, right? Because there's nothing worse. And I've been in situations where I thought I was really clear, and then like a week or so later, it's like way off track. And <laughs> and you know, you say, well, why why didn't someone say something? But again, it's you know, again back to that leader. That how aware are we? But it. But as, a, as an employee, um, step in and ask the questions. And the next one, uh, can work with others and are willing to do so. 
depending on what we're doing, sometimes we have to work really closely with others. And sometimes we're just on a solo thing and maybe some people later on in the process need to, to, to help us out and things like that. But just even being open to Greg, I need you to work with John on something. I know you're working on that thing. I need you to help him out for about half a day. You're good at this stuff. Uh, uh, the two of you, I think if the two of you come together on this, we can probably bang this out in a couple hours. Let me know what's going on. If you need more time or more resources and stuff like that, just having people willing to work with others. There's people that don't like to work with others, like they do their own thing. They're in their own lane and leave me alone. And, uh, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, if you, if you are one of those folks that really can't work with others or doesn't want to work with others and find a job that doesn't require it. Although I would say more and more roles are requiring some kind of connections. So again, it's that choice. How do I choose to show up? Even if I don't necessarily connect or relate with someone, then find a way to connect or relate. You know what? We have to collaborate sometimes. Right. And we, we always say that, you know, there is something that you have in common you don't know about it, but ask questions, get to know them a little bit more. You'll find something that's in common that will allow you to have a deeper connection, which will allow you to work better together. I appreciate people that are helpful to others. It Maybe it isn't working together, but just people looking out for other people and uh, the dynamics on a team or a group of people that work together. When people are helpful to other people, it creates a better atmosphere. There's a different dynamic in the group. It just makes things better. Yeah. And, you know, it always pays off no matter what. If you're committed to helping championing others and supporting others in a way, if you put your hand up every once in a while to volunteer to help, I mean, it's like anything else. If 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 I'm helping you every time at Alistair and then you're not, you're, you're not uh, you know, thanking me for it or you're dump, starting to dump stuff off, that's a whole different story. But in general, trust first and and help first. It will create a better environment for yourself and certainly for the team. The next two I'm going to put together, uh, I appreciate when people are trustworthy and they say what they mean and they mean what they say. Mm. Now, the onus is on me to, to be so as well and to have an, uh, an atmosphere where people feel comfortable uh, saying things. But... Uh, yeah, well, we did a, a couple podcasts ago, and I'm sure almost every podcast or every other podcast we talked about the trust equation, and I did earlier on. I mean, credibility plus reliability plus relationship over self-orientation. So these ones are, you know, you do what you say you're going to do. Um, you People have confidence in what you bring, but those are so, so important is to be able to, uh, you will build trust by, you know, if you say you're going to do something, do it. Um, and, and if you can't do it, then call it out again, get, getting back to that courage and being communicating in a clear way. Sometimes stuff happens and just communicate up front and say, Hey, I know I committed to it, but I, uh, this has come up and I can't meet it. I need an extra couple of days. You know, the more we can be honest, the more that trustworthiness builds. And the, uh, last one kind of fits into that as well. They're real people who could admit that they made a mistake and understand that other people make mistakes as well. So that, you know, that just a carry on from that communication, being open and um, meaning what they say, saying what they mean. I'd rather somebody come up to me and say, hey, listen, I've made a mistake. Yeah, you know, uh, this um, it takes vulnerability to say that I made a mistake. But the lack of taking ownership for what you've done can really spiral teams out of control. So again... Uh, it it is pretty simple. It's I made a mistake admitting it, and but on the other side, as you said, 
um, having curiosity and uh, um, allow others uh, the space to explain if they've made a mistake as well. You know, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before. One of my favorite new techniques is when I'm annoyed with someone is to say the words just like me. And I love that statement because it really does make you remember this one, which is we all make mistakes. I've made mistakes before. So how would I want to be treated if I made mistakes and needed to share with my partner in crime or whoever it is here to, to do that? So that's a good, uh, good reminder. Wrap up, Greg. Yeah, you know what? I think the wrap up for me is that um, it all comes down to how you show up. Um, and it all comes down to that we each have a choice on how we show up. And so no matter what your role in, uh, no matter even what the environment is that you're working in, you have an opportunity to show up in your best. And um, again, I love that conscious leadership model where it's below or above the line. And, and uh, we all fall below the line. So it's not like you're perfect and you're always going to be above the line, that curious, that volunteer, that person who's optim more optimistic, that's curious and wanting to really move things forward and open in their communication. The reality is sometimes we are below the line. So when we're below the line, say we're below the line, we're not feeling good, be honest, be transparent going forward. But as an employee, um, just being committed, um, making a choice to uh, contribute your, at your best, being open and willingness to work with others, those are pretty simple things. Um, you know, it's, this is not brain surgery. Um, and, um, and I, I honestly think we all have the choice to do that, whatever roles we're in. So I agree with you 100%. We all want something out of the work environment. Kind of the entry ticket to that is you bring your best forward. Mm -hmm. Now we're all going to have a bad day, but if you bring your best forward, uh, and other people do as well. And you probably have an expectation that other people do as well. So you need to bring it as well. So I agree 100% with you. Yeah, you create your own space. So, um, and if the space is, again, we said it is one that, that doesn't allow you to create your own space, um, find the space that allows you to create your own space. Sounds good. Listen, we hope that some of what we have spoken to you about you find helpful. We hope we didn't say anything uh, that m you found offensive or made you angry. But Greg, your uh, philosophy. Yeah, we always end the podcast where the philosophy that my old coach gave me. And she said that, you know, when we meet together in the coaching session, um, there are going to be times when I say something to you or share or point out something that's going to make you feel a little crunchy, maybe a little annoyed and peeved off. And there's also going to be times when I point out some stuff that's going to give you a lot of joy. And she, she said, just, just remember that both of those are beautiful opportunities, whether you're feeling crunchy or whether you're feeling joy. And our, uh, there's, there's opportunities for growth there. And our hope in this podcast is to some of the things that we share might get you a little crunchy, might be something you disagree with. And that's okay. Reflect upon it. Is Look, is there anything in there? Because normally when we disagree with it, it's touching something close to us. Um, and there might be some sense of learning in there. So we'd encourage you and hope that we create a little bit of joy and maybe a little bit of churn. Oh, that burn, you learn from it, right? Yeah, that's for sure. So uh, shout out. Shout out. Council Bluffs, Iowa. Council Bluffs, Iowa. I had to look it up. Wow. I don't know if we've ever had anybody from Iowa before. No, it happened on the weekend. Uh, I checked uh, uh, the stats and uh, 
we're limited to showing like 50 countries or 50 cities. Mm -hmm. So maybe sometimes to find a new one just because our top 50 are so strong, mm -hmm. right? So this one slipped in on the weekend. I went, oh, wow. Wow. Never heard of that before. Thank you. Thank well, you for joining the club. And I hear that that is just a beautiful place. Oh. Uh, not not the specific, uh, the, the state. Um, I've mm -hmm. had a couple people that recently have gone there and have said, just majestic and beautiful. So welcome. We're really glad you're listening. Yeah, that's fantastic. I'm done. Are you done? I'm done. Listen, folks, people matter. Take the time with the people you work with. They are an important part of your job, your success, or your failure. Talk to you next time. Take care.